0: So, last time I did my best to finish and I did not. So, we are looking at the second part of initiatives for 2021 by the grace of God. As we look back, and yes, hindsight, this is 2020. Uh, of course, our, our sights are on the scriptures, not, not on events only, but we look at life, events in life, reflect, examine. To see how we can grow as, as a, a people in Christ, but also how we can grow as, as a church, as, as a congregation. We have all been united by the grace of God. We're in union with Christ, in union together. It's the church universal, so wherever you worship the Lord Jesus Christ, and there's a preaching of the word, the fellowship of the saints, the breaking of the bread, and the, the baptism of, of believers, the saints who make a public profession of their faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And then you are a part of that church that you identify yourself as someone who died with christ you died to sin you died in reference to sin you are raised to new life in the lord jesus christ and you're a part of the local fellowship so when we look at at life we look at life from this this vantage point this this lofty place that we have been seated with the lord jesus christ and so life and the events in life are, are not life and the events alone, but it's life and the events and life and, and how did we and how could we bring praise and adoration to the Lord. So we looked at some initiatives that we we can consider uh, in, in contrast uh, to some of the issues that may have blindsided us in 2020. I won't review those issues, but I'll, I'll review some of the initiatives. One was public worship. We, we said that public worship scripturally is in person. And we should endeavor to, to be there uh, when the, the Saints gather uh, and the doors are open we should make every effort to be there when when uh, pastors say that uh, worship is not just in person that's actually contradiction to the Word of God true worship of the Saints I'm talking about the, the weekly Lord's Day worship is uh, is done uh, in person and uh, so we, we want to make sure we establish that uh, online, uh, services and we thank God for them. There are some people who just cannot come physically, they're unable, there are the other conditions that prevents them. And so praise God that that bridges the gap. We also use the, the media to, to get the gospel out. You know, if uh, two or three people are no longer listening to the lies from Osteen and the hypocrisy and deception from T.D. Jakes or Joyce Meyer, uh, other people, uh, the, these teachers are false teachers, they're lies, they're deceivers. Uh, if, if we can, by God's grace, be used to to, to rescue his saints from the grip of, of these uh, deceptive uh, uh, men and and women who are false teachers, a woman who calls herself a preacher and preaches before men, it doesn't really matter what she teaches, she's still a false teacher because she's misrepresenting the office. Uh, so we we use those means to say, we're here, we're meeting, and we declare the gospel through those means. As long as God gives it to us. But they're not a substitute, a replacement for the gathering of God's people. Number two, communion is with the saints. And the communion I was referring to and am referring to is the Lord's table. It's with the saints. In other words, we're doing this together. We also said, number three, an initiative to consider if you have not or to pursue even more is, is to help someone in their struggle. That's not always easy. It takes biblical wisdom. It takes an understanding of who they are relationships are very important here to to be able to to uh, pursue that uh, but uh, a good initiative is to, to make a goal to help at least one person who may be struggling with covid the fear of covid or whatever the case may be number four uh, use this time to grow in christ-like affection use adversity to examine where you are i would say but also to to make sure that you're growing in affection so that you approach uh, these um these the conflicts or the disagreements that you may have with others in a way that looks so much more like your savior and not yourself. Uh, number five, clothe yourself with humility. Humility is so critical here. I said last week that pride is natural to us. It's native, which means it's at home in us. Humility is not. It is something we, we cultivate. Yes, we, we can because it's one of the graces that God gives to us by the Spirit of God. Uh, but it's a work of the Holy Spirit. It is supernatural but it is a gift that God gives to us but we must clothe ourselves with it wear it, adorn it display it for the glory of God of course you can't display it arrogantly if someone boasts in their pride they are no longer uh, practicing humility number six is patience that too is the work of the Holy Spirit I made reference to Galatians uh, chapter 5 verses 22 and 23 where this fruit bears all of these blessings in our lives as we submit to the work of the Holy Spirit in, in our heart Number six, patience. Uh, seven, faithfulness. Um, also, another initiative is to state your biblical convictions, but in love. Number nine was to avoid contentions from Proverbs 17:14. The beginning of strife is like letting out water so quick before the cold breaks out. And number 10, resolve conflict with compassion. Be compassionate. If the other party is, is not, you practice compassion. You practice mercy and pity and just bear up with them. Sometimes you may have to do more listening than speaking. Uh, But but hear them out and and, and be compassionate if they're struggling. Their words are words of anger or or even a sense of hate. Pray for them, even as they're speaking, that God will will help them and help you to to encourage them on the right path of engaging when their emotions may uh, be holding them sinfully hostage. Of course, they're accountable for that, but we must be compassionate and and merciful and, and understanding and realizing that we too Are not far from uh, that uh, particular attitude number 11 resolve to win each other over not arguments right be resolved to win each other over not to win the argument winning the argument is insufficient the objective in in anyone who's ensnared is to rescue them as jude said having that rescuing effect the one who wins souls is wise you want to win them over winning an argument is is pointless for the christian the christian wants to win the other party over for their spiritual good that is so critical even when we talk about arguing over doc, doctrine um, and eschatology and all of those points um, there there are so many people applying the wrong approach to understanding the end times we need to be compassionate toward them but we're not here to engage to win the argument we want to win them over to make sure that they're reading the scripture in its most literal sense as possible that's just an, an, an illustration because so much of what is, is done to misrepresent even eschatology is, is allegorical and, and not true, literal rendering of the text. But your, your objective is to win them over so that they can read the scripture and see they're not have to read into the scripture, which is therefore um, eisegesis. Anyway, let's move on from that. Let's pick up now with number 12. And yes, I'm, I want to finish this today, this episode. We shall see. Number 12, practice leaving all wounds in the care of Christ. You may have been hurt by someone. You may have been wounded by someone, but practice leaving them in the care of Christ. Um, you will be hurt and you will hurt others. And, uh, you know, a thought from Jonathan Edwards in his resolution I think is good here. I would encourage you to read. His 70 resolutions, he wrote these as a teenager, so he was 19 years old and younger. And some of the statements, some of the resolutions are just extremely humbling for someone even at this phase in my life. But number 10 says, resolve when I feel pain to think of the pains of martyrdom. In other words, those who died for the cause of Christ, both of Jesus and of believers around the world. And remind myself of the reality of hell. It is so easy to... Um, express our pain and hurt to others swiftly without realizing that maybe at at some point that God wants us to just take that to Him. That the other party meant no ill, no sin, no wrong, and they probably didn't do any wrong, but our reaction was wrong. Our thoughts were wrong. To to leave that pain and that hurt to the Lord is, is, is really a mature thing to do. But it's sometimes, if not oftentimes, the right thing to do. Another resolution from Jonathan Edwards says that resolve never to do anything out of revenge that you should never base your decision in that relationship based on the fact that the party hurt you now because we are in a a time where where divorce is acceptable we don't always think of the the breaking up of relationships in christ as as severe or or deep wounds like you sever yourself from that party because you're hurt by that party supposed to realizing that we're supposed to endure these pains and then leave it to the lord even if the other party doesn't quite get what you're saying or uh, they, they sense that their words were not hurtful or their actions were not hurtful. And then you can't force someone to repent, right? If if they don't see the wrong that they've done, they can certainly feel sorrow that you, you felt that way. You have to give them time to think and pray about it. But it's so important not to uh, sever the relationship out of pain or wounds, but rather leave them in the care of the Lord Jesus Christ. A very important initiative for 2021. If not, then we'll be in and out of so many relationships thinking it's what the other party has done to us without realizing that the Lord may be using that to mature us. Number 13, pray for your pastor. Very important initiative. And I'm not saying that as, as a pastor only, but I want us to really pause because the pastor is human. And many pastors, faithful pastors, I would say, fighting for your growth in Christ. Laboring as a mother, uh, in in birth pains, as Paul says, until Christ is formed in you. Uh, for us, of course, due due to our circumstances, our local fellowship, Grace Community Church of Long Beach, uh, we're we're meeting outdoors, and so really, for the first time in my years of ministry, I have to think about the weather, which is just, you know, I never thought I had to think about the weather for Sunday, until uh, uh, you know a few weeks ago, brother called and said, hey, uh, pastor, uh, you know, just want to talk to you about. The weather this Sunday. Weather? Weather? Oh, yes, the weather. Uh, You know, COVID has has added uh, uh, so many burden of responsibilities, more burden of responsibilities uh, due to COVID. Uh, It has been a challenging year uh, for pastors and for elders who serve the church. uh, Some very unique uh, opportunities and sanctifying opportunities through COVID. So pray for your pastor, pray that God will grant him the endurance the strength the wisdom to labor the wisdom when to rest uh, rest is important when, when to take a break uh, that that god did not call him to save the church uh, but to be faithful to the fellowship so rest is important but also that that he depends on depends on the holy spirit to give him the strength to serve the congregation faithfully um, and and also to cast his burdens to the lord he will sustain him uh, pray for your pastor another initiative or if you're praying pray even more for him number 14 Number 14, lean on each other and bear burdens together. Lean on each other. Rely on your brothers and sisters in Christ. I appreciate when the saints are transparent and tell me what their struggles are. I just had one sister do that the other day. My heart was so encouraged. She was willing to, to voice her, her concern because she wanted help from God. You know the the worst thing that you can do is to to be overly secretive because you're afraid of what people think about you. That there's the secrecy involved, but there could be the pride involved that you you're not willing to, to be transparent. There was um a, from a, a book by Ed Welch, a "Caring for One Another." It's a very small booklet. You may have read it. It's it's a very helpful book. And one of the but one of the, the statements uh, he, he writes and elaborates on is The vulnerability of the the saint, that in your transparency, there's vulnerability, that you have to risk that to get it. Um, You know, as one NFL coach said, no risk it, no biscuit. There's a reward factor in that risk of vulnerability, that as you share your struggles with another, now listen, another trustworthy saint. I'm not saying express all to everyone. There, There should be brothers and sisters in Christ, brothers to brothers, sisters to sisters, where there's a relationship of transparency a relationship of transparency where you are able uh, to lean on that brother, sister in Christ in your moment of weakness and they can lean on you. Um, in, in marriage, the marriages, that should be the central place. of Brothers and sisters in Christ in a marriage, a brother and a sister in a marriage, male born male and born female in a marriage, right? Uh, you should be able to, to share that together. But as a brother in Christ, you should have another male brother who, who can, you can relate to each other as men, women, the same thing. You don't, you don't keep uh, secrets from your spouse, but there's there's another outlet that you can share some concerns as a female to female, as a male to male, and to engage in spiritual growth together. But leaning on each other and bearing each other's burdens is a biblical thing. It's according to Galatians chapter six. So we should enjoy the benefits of life together. And that's one of the enjoyments to, to weep and rejoice together, to meet and fellowship with each other, to pray together. Uh, so that initiative I, I think is, is so critical for us to re-engage in that. Uh, COVID is doing its, it's COVID has a personality that almost his own. And of course, the adversary will use these things to separate the church. God uses these <laughs> to unite the church. So we should see these moments as opportunities to initiate more intentional fellowship uh, together, leaning on each other and doing each other's burdens. Number 15, be a part of a united church. A united church. Um, now, when I say united, what I mean is that this this church is, is united in and through the gospel, not programs, the gospel. You have redeemed uh, sinners, uh, called saints, justified sinners. God who justified them, declared them righteous on the account of their faith alone in the finished work of the Lord Jesus Christ, his person and his work for them. And that unity of the gospel now comes the unity of the faith right? Um, that uh, we, we pursue Godly unity According to this common faith That we have in the Lord Jesus Christ That, that we maintain the unity That is already Given to us And that we're eager As Ephesians 4 3 says To maintain the unity of the spirit and the bond of peace uh, and, and as we do so we're, we're encouraging each other We're instructing each other We're building each other up as we use our gifts and our talents, our resources to help our brothers and sisters grow in Christ. Let me just say this, true Christian fellowships that are unwilling to follow Rick Warren's model, they're growing. Now, Rick Warren said his his movement is growing. I'm sad to say that um, that this man is misrepresenting the Lord Jesus Christ, the church, the gospel, all of the above and and other uh, things following that. Uh, that uh his his understanding of spirituality is, is deeply skewed and he's misleading so many people. I only say that because there's some other insights I have that i won't share right now. That that leaves me beyond concerned with him uh and to say that uh, he is in gross error on several significant theological levels. I only say that to warn a people if you read his book and all of those things or his books um uh, it, it, it's, uh, much of it has some elements of truth, but that's how Satan works. Just enough truth to deceive you, but so much error to mislead you. And we have to be discerning when we see those things. He's saying there's a revival happening but there's no preaching of the word of god there's there's never a point of true revival where there's no biblical preaching of the word of god so his definition of revival is a, a redef, redefinition of biblical revival or of awakening or of, of true biblical reformation which comes through the preaching of the word of god in person engaging with believers now the caring of of other people feeding and all those things I'm glad he can do that because he has the resources. I'm not saying smaller congregations cannot do that, but his measurements for the success of the church is antithetical to the scripture. Even the foundation of how he started the church and how the church grew was contrary. It was disobedience to the word of God. So there are other churches that are growing biblically. And for that, we give God praise and we see true biblical fellowships growing. We pray that they will continue to grow because that's the church where there's a high view of the Word of God, a high view of God, a high view of Scripture, and an adequate view of humanity, where humanity, we don't begin with man, we begin with God, we end with God, and man is, plays a role because of God's sovereign plan. We don't play a role because we're special, we play a role because our God is merciful. Okay, number 17. Pray for at least one struggling church that you know of. It's faithful. But pray for that church that may be struggling. Just one, you just have to find one that's that's struggling, that in your area that, that that may not make it, but but by God's grace, you pray that they will weather this storm and that God will sustain them. But if not, it's the will of God for them not to continue. We realize that. But pray for at least one struggling church, that you know Maybe it's yours. Ask others to pray for your fellowship. Um, that it will c- continue to be faithful and that God will sustain it through this time. Number 18, rejoice that faithful churches are growing. Rejoice that faithful churches are growing, even if your fellowship is not. If there's a faithful congregation preaching the word of God, glorifying Christ, and I'm not saying, hey, as long as they preach the gospel and they believe in social justice, that's fine. No, social justice is a different gospel. If they preach the gospel and live out the gospel and their sanctification is based on the gospel and their pursuit of, let's just say, community affection right they have community affection in other words they want to do benevolent to their benevolence to their society or to their community or to their city that's based on the, the heart of a christian to pursue good deeds not only within this local congregation but outside praise god for that but it is not based on the initiative of this 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 false message um, of social gospel It is rooted in compassion for the sinner but with the goal to preach the gospel of Christ to them. So you serve them, you meet their needs. That's just, uh, you know, uh, humanitarian. Okay, Great. But the, the church has a greater goal. Our motive for feeding and clothing is, is, is ultimately so that we can have other avenues to declare Christ to those who we feed and care for. for. To feed them bread, but not the bread of life, is still leaving them in their most desperate and starving condition. Number 19, attend a biblical church. Attend a biblical church because some do not preach Christ. It is amazing that a lot of what you find is is, uh, from the pulpits, uh, they're pumping self-improvement, human advancement. They will go to the word of God, but they'll immediately go to how can I be a better person? How can this make me a better citizen? Now, we're not saying that these things are, are not good. But true biblical preaching begins with the glory of God in the person and to the face of the Lord Jesus Christ. And sanctification, therefore, is the chief goal, not just self-improvement or advancement in society or, uh, you know, a promotion, the job or a successful business. None of those things matter. They're not significant in light of being more like the Savior who called you to salvation and then says, now, you ought to be perfect because your Father in heaven is perfect. You should be pursuing progressive daily sanctification, mortifying of sin, uh, and, and taking on this, the righteous virtues that our Savior displays for us to, to live out, to, to demonstrate, to pursue. That's true biblical preaching, Christ-likeness. Self-advancement, self-enhancement, positive thinking. and Another phrase that we hear is, I, 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 I want people to give me positive energy. I and mean, all of that stuff is New Age-ish. It's, 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 it's New Age wrapped in, in modern garb or an attire. And it sounds good. It is devilish and demonic. Uh, we have no positive energy. We don't even have positive words. We have a Proclamation. And the proclamation is a person not an agenda not self-help not self-improvement but salvation through the lord jesus christ and sanctification in and through the lord jesus christ that is the church you should be attending you say well you know what if where i attend they don't do that then it's not really meeting as a church you know you can you can meet and say we're having church but still not be the church you can meet on the lord's day which is a sunday and still not meet as a church. A church is a church so far as it represents the teachings of Scripture throughout the New Testament, Scripture primarily, and what the church should do when it gathers. And we have already summarized that is throughout the Scripture. Uh, you have the, the preaching of Christ, you have the Lord's table, you have baptism. You also have, according to Matthew uh, chapter uh, 18, uh, Galatians 6, 1 Corinthians. Uh, chapter 5, just to name a few, and even in Revelation too, I think in a sense it teaches that you have church discipline, uh, which is critical. If your church does not practice discipline and say, well, we rather love the people, then they're not a church. You, you, You can't just pick and choose and say you are the church. What makes the church the church is how it fits the teaching of scripture or its pursuing of the teaching of scripture. Is this church as it comes in contact with the authoritative word of God and the commands from scripture, is this local congregation, beginning with the pastor and the elders or the leaders there, are they willing to conform this local fellowship to the word of God? That's attending a biblical church. Every other movement is just a waste of time. And so if you're stepping into a situation, you know they're not teaching the word of God. They're not preaching Christ. They're not preaching the gospel. They're not preaching uh, sanctification. They're not preaching the sinfulness of our sin. Now we need to always trust in the Savior if they're not um, heralding the good news, if they're not glorifying the triune God, uh, if they're not uh, preaching a trinitarian message uh, of of one God uh, eternally existing in three persons, if there's no practicing of church discipline where it is necessary, um, if there's no exposition of the scripture, then you're most likely not attending a biblical church. So let me just say this, that there is no new normal for the church today. The church needs not to change because the teachings of the church, its doctrine or its teaching, its theology comes from the immutable character of God, the unchanging character of God, because it's based on the character of a man. Uh, It's not based on the character of a man, that is, it's based on the character of, of the infinitely holy God. This is not based on human thinking, it's based on divine authority, and it is God's unchanging authority uh, so there's no new, new new normal for a church. Uh, the church is the church insofar as it is consistent with the teachings of the Scripture. Now number 20 about reimagining church. We've heard that phrase before uh, that phrase typically comes from false teachers I, I, I will just be surprised if there's someone who's truly biblical in their teaching uh, who has strong convictions will ever say we have to reimagine how we do church. So therefore online membership, um, it, it is just a business. Online worship, once again, the use of these means it's helpful, but it is not a replacement of. It can never replace meeting in person. So if you are physically able, and you can and you refuse to meet in person, you are not meeting as a believer. You, you are meeting as a, a disobedient believer because you cannot exercise your gifts. Uh, you, you cannot exercise um, church discipline. You cannot do discipleship or be discipled. Because remember, discipleship begins with preaching. But then there's extended discipleship is what I like to call it. Extended discipleship is seen when we engage after service, when we engage during the week when we, we meet throughout the week also, one-on-one, life-on-life, life, but also we meet uh, publicly, having another study uh, with God's people. Uh, that's, that's, those are extended fellowships, but the fire for true discipleship is lit from the pulpit, and, and then it, it's, it spreads like a, a flame uh, throughout uh, the congregation and they engage in, in life and life fellowship, life-on-life life discipleship. Uh, so to, to not meet in person is to dismember yourself from the church. And then my mind goes to uh, the, the Apostle John, who, who made a very strong reference to how the body of believers are united. And one of the terms that he uses quite often is fellowship. Right? That which we have seen in 1 John 1, 3, and heard, we proclaim also to you so that you too may have fellowship with us. And indeed our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. But then a statement he makes in the second chapter, he says that those who are not with us, it says they went out from us, but they were not of us. For if they had been of us, they would have continued with us, but they went out that it may might be complained that they all were not all of us. Of course, that is a radical separation that was made there where some were isolating themselves from the, the fellowship of the believers and so called them saints. Now, <clears throat> to another extent that you could be isolating yourself from the believers and your reimagining of church is actually from the prince of the power that you're Satan. It's not from God. Because in isolating yourself, isolating yourself from the church and saying that this is acceptable and this is the right thing to do, you're in, one, you're in one aspect demonstrating the fact that you are truly not a part of the body of the Lord Jesus Christ. There is the the mystical union where uh, the, the, the church, although we don't see it, all of the believers, there's this, this gathering of God's people united in the body of Christ. But then there's a visible fruit of this mystical union uh, with Christ, where it is seen when we gather to worship, to encourage, to build each other up, and to serve each other. The reimagination of the church is something from the Walt Disney sort. It is not from the scripture. So this is what we do. We destroy arguments and every lofty opinion, and it is because these statements are raising themselves against the knowledge of God. But it also says that we take every thought captive to obey Christ. So, to not meet when you can meet, when you should meet, is a thought that is contrary to Christ. And that's a thought that you should make captive to obey Christ. It also says being ready to punish every disobedience when your obedience is complete is what the Apostle Paul says. That is critical. That the, 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 Matter of your full obedience to the scripture is a part of attacking anything that is against the knowledge of God. It's a part of taking every thought captive so that you may obey Christ. The failure to meet together is the failure to obey the Lord Jesus Christ because Christ empowered his disciples to be his witnesses. In other words, I'm going to speak through you. I am going to guide you as you write. The Holy Spirit will inspire, he will superintend over your writing under my divine authority as the head of the church. And if I say meet, then we meet. If I say worship, we worship because it's a sign and a symbol of our solidarity together in the Lord Jesus Christ. So that imagination station, uh, is, its orientation is from Satan, not from the Savior. Enough said. I gave you 20 initiatives in two episodes. It was a joy to share this with you, praying that it will bear fruit in your life for the glory of the Savior, who is infinitely worthy of our worship, our affection, our obedience, and thanksgiving. Seymour Heligar, your host of the Pastor Soapbox.